I'm your host, Kirk Kinsey, and with me, again, as always, is Josh Cacho. Josh, what's going on, man? Not too much, just winding up the weekend, ready for the next week to start. Excellent, excellent. I am looking forward to the Red Bulls match, but first, we are coming at you with some bonus content. Given that the All-Star break is over, we figured we'd give you some mid-season ratings on LAFC and some of their, actually all their players. Um, so we will get right into this thing. This is something we hope to do uh, with some regularity, give you some uh, not just match reviews and and instant reactions. We want to give you some uh, more lighthearted or uh, just in-between episodes as well to get you through your long weeks. So without any further ado, we will get into this. We're going to be judging the players on the standard 1 to 10 uh, rating scale that most of you are probably familiar with. And we're going to start with the man, the myth, and the legend himself, Carlos Vela. Josh, we've given him a 10 here. Um, maybe that's a little bit of a curve, but given the fact that he's having the best season in MLS history right now, I think it's fair. What do you say? Yeah, I mean, he's at 22 goals and I believe 10 assists, right, through through this early part of the season um, on a record-setting pace. So it's hard to argue, you know, with anything other, you know, with with him being the standard, right, The basically the standard by which we look at the rest of our team as we head into the rest of the player ratings, right? So, again, he's doing things that we've, we've yet to see um, in MLS, you know, and I think the expectation from a lot of, you know, most pundits and, you know, I think in general, if you've watched the arc of his, his career, was that at some point he was going to come back to earth. And for whatever reason, you know, he's he's been determined this year to just really, you know, take that next step, become that consistent person, be, you know, the the best player in the league, right? I think he said before the season started that his goal was, you know, to become the MVP and to win an MLS Cup. And so, you know, he's he's been definitely been doing everything we've, you know, anything, he's been doing everything that you can really ask for, you know, your captain and your best player to really do, um, you know, to to achieve those goals, you know, or the you know the primary goals of every team heading into a season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I just looked it up on uh, MLSsoccer.com. Don't go to MLS.com. That's real estate. Uh, but they have him at 13 assists, tied with Maxi Morales of NYCFC. Oh, he must have, did he pick one up lead. in this last game? Uh, I don't think he did. The, unless it was one of those secondary. Yeah, assists, the the but. the soccer. I mean, the hockey assist in MLS is always something that you know you tend to forget about sometimes. Right, right. I think before the show we were talking about how some websites have him listed at eight, but the league has him listed at thirteen. So again, that's tied with Maxi Morales. That's one ahead of Diego Valeri. And then at that point, he's uh, and then they have him at what three, three either goals or assists off of off the pace of right the record setting pace for total goals and Correct. assists for a season so that's, a, that's a total of 35 goals yeah and 38 is what giovinko did in 2016 2017, 2017 one of those years yeah uh just so everybody knows joseph martinez is now at 18 goals and zlatan is at 16 i mean it would help so if he actually he played some... you know in the you know in the last two matches i mean one he was suspended for the other one he just never showed up Right, right. Um, so, again, safe to say, we talked about it last night on our instant reaction. It looks like he could be the first 30-20 man in MLS history, which would be 
rather incredible. Hence the 10 rating. Josh, do you have a favorite moment this this year from from Vela? Honestly, it's it's him tracking back on defense, right? It's it's to the point now where you expect him to score goals, you expect him to assist, you know, that's that that is the expectation from him at this point. But I think one of the things that we've seen throughout the year, I don't remember the specific game, is one where he he tracks back on defense in the press, steals the ball back, and actually springs the counter, which leads to a goal, right? And again, if what you ask for is leadership, right? What you ask for is the ability to get guys to play for you. And, you know, it's plays like that that really exemplify what he's been able to do this season. He does, you know, he's not the most vocal guy in the world doesn't seem to be a guy who's going to yell and scream and do all those types of things in terms of, or even just be maybe an inspiring person in terms of what he's able to say. But at the same time, his play on the field, you know, his willingness to do everything that's asked for asked of him by Bob, you know, again, is, is what really highlights him, you know, is to me is even the more important thing to highlight as we had it, you know, about his seasons thus far. Right. Right. Uh, given that it is, uh, the our best player by far. I have two things to share. Neither of them either very tactical, but his celebration in the NYCFC oh, that game was classic. has given us what I think is the greatest gift of all time, at least <laughs> LAFC history, I'll say, uh, with his little home run swing celebration. And second, this is a much more personal note. Um, I took my kids to the Salt Lake game there at the bank, and we were sitting uh, on the south end of the field, not in the south, the south end stadium, uh, not in the south seats, but along the sideline, kind of right in the corner near the away supporters. And uh, my four-year-old turns to me when Vela comes up to take a uh, corner kick there, and he said, wait, Dad, you mean Carlos Vela is a real person and not just a robot on FIFA? <laughs> And it was just like this really tender-hearted moment where it's like, yeah, dude, that's actually him. That's the guy, because he he had he had him. He went to one game last year, um, but he was only three, so he didn't really know. He didn't quite get it yet. And this year, it finally clicked for him. So that was a cool moment for me as a dad to share with uh, one of my one of my children. But we'll move on from Carlos Vela and on to Diego Rossi. Josh, I have him here as an eight. He's currently fourth in MLS scoring. It's hard what to disagree, about right? I mean, like, again, if Vela's the standard, that being the perfect score in terms of, you know, what else can we ask for a person in the season, right? There, there definitely leaves a little bit to be desired from Rossi at times, right? There's been moments where he's all over the field, right? I believe it was in this, just in this last game alone, right? He's tracking back. He's working hard on defense. Then he scores, you know, a goal slash pass to open things up but at the same time you know you have those types of moments and you know i believe he scored in what five straight games or something along that line um as of late or for the last five something i mean he's been scoring a lot more as of late um but at the same time you know let's look at the carson game where he did disappear for the majority of the game right you just didn't hear from him and that was definitely a game where Given given that the way that they were playing Vela with playing the, you know, Rajo on that same side and, and really just focusing on having, a, you know, that extra defender there, you know, um, from a 
from a you know like you from a consistency perspective you just wish sometimes again you did you got a little bit more from him um and again i think like i said it, but in terms of scoring output it's hard right. to argue with fourth in that major in major league soccer you know sometimes again his finishing leaves a little bit to be desired and we've talked about you know his ability to be more in, he's, he's better when he's more instinctual versus having time on the ball um but at the same time i think and again He's he's giving us the numbers as a DP that we expect. Whether he's he's Mister Consistent again, that's that's probably what he needs to get to that next level, right? To become that that Miguel Almiron level mm-hmm. type of signing, right? Is can you do it consistently? Can you show that you are a complete player? Um, you know, he's he's definitely moving, you know, moving his way well up the charts, but again, still a little bit left, I think, for him to do. Right. I, I do agree. I think the the eight is reflective both of his good play um, and kind of the overall statistics that we're getting from him, but also the, the, the inconsistency that you that you speak of um, that he I mean, again, the kid turned 21. I believe it was in March. So this is what you get with young players. They'll show up. They'll get hot for a couple of games, like you said. You know, he'll have a game like he did against DC United where he just obliterates what was then the best defense in the league. And then he'll just kind of drop off and disappear for a few games and come back in and get rolling again. Uh, Just real quick on him. So the league leaders in scoring are names like Carlos Vela, Joseph Martinez, Zlatan, and then Diego, who is followed by Wayne Rooney, Kai Kamara, Alejandro Pozuelo, Josie yeah, Altidore. So guys who are known as professional bear. professional so goal scorers, about... right? And he's amongst one of them now. Right, right. Mm-hmm. At least in MLS. So a lot of those guys are kind of recent arrivals to the to the league. Kai Kamara has kind of been this mercenary around the league for years. Uh, any team basically that's looking for offensive output will go and sign him once his contract's up. So, I mean, those are those are big names to be to be amongst. So. Props to Diego for getting it done this year. Um, no, I mean, again, Diego I think Rossi? it'll be inter- interesting to see what now his role becomes with the addition of um, Brian Rodriguez. Again, technically still rumored, but I think at this mm-hmm. point it's more more or less just coming down to the details. Um, you know, again, we, we've heard we've heard things from, from Vince, um, you know, regarding how how they're pl- planning on playing Bella and those different things. And so again, it should allow um, Rossi to really expand his game in terms, you know. In- right. I think it'll take a lot of the pressure off of him as well. And I mean, just last night we were talking about how he's probably going to be moving sooner rather than later. And uh, I think he'll be able to close up his time here. At yeah. I think LA's today there was a report way. that what Fiorentina, um, who has an, a new American owner is is def, is in for Rossi, so we'll see what that becomes. Right. right. All right. Well, let's let's stick with the forwards. We're going to move on to Dio. I have him at seven point five. Josh, what do you say? Yeah, I mean, I think there's two right. There's two versions of Dio, right? There's there's the the thirty minute end of the game scorer, which you know probably deserves a higher score. Um, you know. Mm-hmm. But then there's also the Dio that struggled for fitness, and you know, and even even now has again outside of the 
outside of the Houston match where he wasn't playing with 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 Vela um, and Rossi has kind of struggled to find, you know, what his role is going to be with this team. You know, again, he I think he played his best football last year when Vela was at the World Cup, but they've right. seemingly just kind of not quite meshed the way we would have hoped um, this season so far. And so, and even at the end of last season, I think that there's a little bit of, um, you know, there's a little bit of disappointment in terms of how, how he, they finished the season, you know, and what that means going forward. Again, I think that that's where we're probably starting to see, you know, the, some of the changes that have, that look to be on the horizon. And so, Again, I think in terms of what his productivity has been, you know, he again, it's hard to argue with the, some of the goals he scored, and he's he, you know, he's what I think he's what at seven or eight goals I think at this point in the season, so far. Um, I'm not sure. Diamande has seven goals, right? So, again, seven goals from from your striker when Vela and Rossier have, um, what thirty five between the two of them. To have a, another guy who's going to chip in seven more goals is 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 pretty nice, right? So you know it's not like we're we can you know we're hurting for goals at this point, but at the same time he, you know his his game is left a little bit to be desired, and there's times I think where he's gotten frustrated and you know tried to go a little bit bull in China shop and just kind of charge through the middle of you know some of these defenses. Last yes, um, you know the yesterday's game was kind of evidence of something that at times where he'd. He's not getting the service from Rossi at times, or you know he, you know he doesn't get that cross in from you know maybe Vela takes a shot that he thinks he's better set up to take. You know again, I think there's been a little bit of growing frustration on his part because I think he sees himself, and I think we've seen from him that he is you know just a pure scorer. And so you know, will he be content with you know uh, that that super sub role? Who knows. Right. But at the same time, you know, said he's definitely capable, but whether or not it's been enough to really give him any higher than what we've listed him at, at, you know, at a seven and a half, you know, I maybe even would be willing to push him down slightly below that to like a seven, six, you know, 6.75 or seven. Again, just because, mm-hmm. again, I, I, I just don't see the chemistry that we we saw between him and Latif and some of the other guys, you know, during during the World Cup last year. Yeah, I, I this isn't the first time I've said this, but uh, our striker situation this year, at least for me, can be summarized this way. We have a striker who can't get healthy, but can finish. We have a striker who is apparently really good, but isn't fit at all. And we have a striker who can't finish, but is healthy and can run around and be part of the press, those being Dio, Fito, and Ramirez, uh, respectively. And I think Dio, part of the reason I have him here is because when he comes on, it's like kind of like you said, in that super sub role where he's coming on at the 60th minute to just wreck people with tired legs, uh, probably best uh, demonstrated in the in the SKC game in the in the season opener. Um, when he comes on like that, he's a he's a handful, and it was obviously very effective in that game. We ended up winning uh, after being down, but he's he's not always healthy. And there's as everybody knows, he had a hernia surgery in the off season, um, and I think it's been 
it's been hard for him to come back. And I think we're now just now starting to yeah, see him. He also had the hamstring injury at, at San Jose also mm, um, after, right. you know, after finally getting fit. I think he started that game and then pulled the hamstring. It's a tough surgery to come back from, you know, if anyone has had um, a hernia issue, it just, it just messes with your ability to do a whole lot just because of the area that impacts. And so again, like you're saying, it's like maybe we see what he's fully capable of, but I think given the way he plays, you know, it and how the press has looked when he's in the game versus not in the game, again, I think there's given our 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 current situation at you know at striker kind of makes us have to sacrifice one thing or another depending on who's in. Right, right. I think it will be interesting, like you said, when Brian Rodriguez shows up. Uh, to see him likely get moved down the depth chart. And kind of like you said, he, he is a guy that wants to be in there. He wants to be scoring goals. You can see the frustration mount. He, I mean, he wears his emotions on his sleeve like like most good strikers do. Um, so it'll be interested, interesting to see how he reacts to most likely coming off the bench. I don't know what his contract situation is. Um, I assume he'll be with us next year, but... Again, I would also assume that he's going to be coming off the bench next year as well. So, well, I, I mean, we'll just have to wait and see how it how it plays out. Um, I'm just realizing now that we didn't highlight a moment for Diego Rossi this this season. Um, for me, it would have been DC the DC United match. But do you have one for Dio this year? Um, probably the last second goal in the opener against Kansas City, right? And it's like it's yeah. it's really just what got us on the right foot. Um, in this mm-hmm. season, and you know, again, it's it's a difference between, you know, how do we feel about this season if we had started the started the year off with a draw versus you know a last second win, you know, and then I think that can yeah. continued over the next few games, and you know, seemingly, you know, we're we've that was what set us in the right direction. Right. Uh, so I have another personal experience for for this. It's I have the same moment for him, but for much more of a personal reason. I took one of my best friends to that game. I happened to be in town over the weekend and and found tickets. And I took one of my best friends from high school to that match. And this is a guy who doesn't watch sports, isn't interested in sports, doesn't care at all. uh, And just kind of went to catch up and to do something new. And at the end of the game, which again, was right after the Dio goal. um, He turns to me and he says, when are you coming back? I want to come to the next game with you as well uh, because he just had so much fun with, with it all. And we were sitting close to 32-52, and it was, as you know, it's just a different experience from any other sporting event. So that was, again, a cool moment that I got to share with somebody uh, as a result of actually going to a game. Um, so let's, uh, let's move on to one of the most <laughs> controversial players on the roster um i i think it's an unnecessary controversy but we're going to go with rodolfo zelaya fito zelaya i have him here as an incomplete because i just don't know what to make of his his uh appearances so far josh do you have anything to add here yeah i mean again i think we've seen some flashes of you know why they thought he could he could play a role you know and but at the same time I think the biggest issue that comes up with a lot of signings is, is he a guy that ultimately fits what they want to do, you know, and, and 
given that Bob is has been very strict about, you know, playing a certain way and those types of things, I think he's definitely had, you know, a little bit of a learning curve, um, you know, and, and again, it still hasn't quite got to that point. Um, again, I don't think he's even really made the 18 since the, since the international break ended at this point. And so, Again, it's it's a bit frustrating because again, I think especially given the early you know injury and then the early struggles from, um, or continued struggles maybe from Ramirez to not be able to put the ball in the back of the net, you know he was a guy that I think we all thought, you know what based on what we had heard and what he had done, you know could probably play a play a role, you know over over the course of the season, and maybe he still will. I don't know, you know at this point, but again, I think it's been. It's been a lot more disappointment based on some of the hype that we had seen, you know, even from the club, right? You just saw a lot of the mm-hmm. the marketing things that had gone out when he first signed and you just kind of had to wonder like, you know, what, what, what were they expecting from him? And again, you know, and I think from a lot of El Salvador, from the point of a lot of El Salvadorian fans, they had expected a lot, you know, and I had a lot of them kind of come, you know, setting me stuff on, on Twitter asking, it's like, you know, like, is there an injury? Is there something that we're not seeing? And I, I do believe he had an off-season procedure and, you know, did come in um, overweight and there was a lot of issues that had come up along with his rehab. But, you know, again, you you just have to wonder, is it is there something being lost in terms of his ability to, you know, to play within, within the system versus what he's normally used to playing? You know, once again, could he come in and, you know, play a, a specific role? Potentially, but as of right now, those those things are being filled by guys like Lee Wynn and you know, and then likely Diomande when with the arrival of Rodriguez coming. Right. I, I don't think it's difficult to understand why somebody who is not completely fit is not going to be uh, a good candidate to get serious minutes with Bob Bradley. We saw it happen with Andre Horta. I don't think it was an issue of fitness with Andre. I think it was more of an effort and. Uh, and understanding what he was supposed to do. But I can easily see this one going that same way. And it's not to say that Fito hasn't had amazing moments in the past or great performances um, throughout a season in the past. It's just right now, it's just not going to happen here at LAFC. I think he's got uh, three plays that we can probably look back on that were remarkable. He has the free kick against Salt Lake. That's just absolute screamer from what I remember to be about 35 yards out and Dio eventually finishes, finishes it off. Did that come off the post or was it a, did Romando get it? Yeah, it was off. It was off the post. Okay. And Dio's able to finish it. He's got a, a beautiful back heel layoff to Latif blessing who takes an extra touch and doesn't finish the goal. And then he's got the, the goal from Vela where Vela could have had it himself and instead lays it off for Fito to finish. Um, but that's, that's it. So we'll just move on from there. The next one, another lightning rod, is Christian Ramirez, uh, who I had not realized until the until the salary numbers came out is on an astronomical salary in, in MLS terms. He's making like six hundred grand a year. I have him here at a six point zero. Josh, what do you say about Christian Ramirez? Ooh, I want to give him the benefit of the doubt because I do think that he he's he's a guy that worked really hard and he was a big part of why in terms of his effort is what probably why we got off to quite a good start. But at the same time, 
given some of the issues that he's had in front of goal, I I have a hard time giving him any more than a five, right? It's mm. just it's just one of those things where you just need you need it a little bit more, right? And I think after the traumatic experience that we had gone over, gone through with Urania and having essentially the same issues, right? You just wondered what what he was going to bring to the table. You know, you just hoped that he was going to bring something maybe a little bit different, especially because he was starting. Obviously, more because Dio was hurt than anything. But at the same time, like I said, it just wasn't there. And so now at this point, you have to wonder what, what the plans are for him moving forward and some of those different things. Um, because again, it doesn't seem like he's going to be, he's going to fit into what the team has planned, you know, at least for this next year, at this next year at minimum, this end of the season right. and the coming year. Um, you know, he's, he's no more, he's no more than probably your, your, your third striker right at this point. Right. So I, I gave him a six. I, I do agree that five is probably the more appropriate number. I gave him a six solely based on the fact that uh, I do think his runs and him as a distraction at the beginning at the beginning of the season uh, really helped us just roll over teams in March, April, May. Um, I think teams eventually wised up and realized, oh, we can we can spare a center back and one guy can cover him because he's not going to finish the uh, all these sitters that are being laid across the goal for him. I think it's, I think we're up to two or three, just absolutely horrific misses from him. And many of them coming in very important games and very important moments. And again, at that salary, I think he's making more than Dio even. And I just don't see him with the team at, at the end of the season. I wouldn't be surprised if before Wednesday, when the transfer window closes, honestly, to see, you know, he's, he's, traded away for Tam or whatever. Um, time will tell. The next guy I have here. Oh, I will go back to uh, one moment. It's actually from last season. I'm cheating. But the goal that Carlos Vela plays into him, he's making a run in between the center backs. And Vela whips in this ball um, from kind of right midfield. And he handles it with, I think he brings it down with his right foot. Excellent first touch, and then outside of the boot finish to the to the outside post. It was a great, great goal, but we just haven't seen that very often. All right, let's move on to Josh Perez, who, again, I think is another one of those guys who we brought in to kind of take a look at, and I think in many ways the jury's still out, but I have seen enough. I've given him a five here. What do you have on Josh? Yeah, I mean, again, it's... I think he deserves a five on work right alone, right? When he's come in, there's one, he, he's a guy like Latif that you, you know, you're not going to get cheated on effort. I think one of the question is, I'm, I'm not really sure we know what his best position is. You know, there's, there's things to be, I think there's, there's moments and things you say, okay, maybe he could become that backup to Latif in terms of, you know, he's a, he's a shorter guy that works really hard on the press. And he, you know, from a defensive perspective, he does do a lot there, but, you know, when he slotted in up top, right, has just lacked that finishing quality, right? I think he was the one that, um, you know, with a with a almost essentially a free shot on goal, clear, you know, smacked it off the bar, and then Dio had to come in. Um, right. You Maybe know, it was in Columbus, if I remember correctly. Yeah, and then Dio comes and cleans it up uh, to ice the game at that point. And so, again, it's what what is his best position? I'm not really quite sure. You know, I think 
I think there's a there's there's an issue with more bringing some of these guys in that are playing in you know maybe a more defensive system you know or especially when you're bringing guys from in from MLS there's there's not that necessarily that premium place on attacking football at all times and so trying to get a feel for what he's able to do and that sort of thing you know but again he does he does at minimum give you you know a lot of you know that effort and you know again has been able to come in at times and you know just provide that consistency in terms of making people work you know to at least get around him which again at the end of the game you know does does offer something you know when when we've right. tired people out with the press or that's anything the fact that we can bring in a guy who's who can come in off the bench and continue to work you know at that same rate is is nice mm-hmm. i think it's pretty telling that bob will typically bring him in for rossi in the 85th minute or so um i think probably to help keep teams that are trailing a little more honest where rossi's got tired legs now after nearly a full match and maybe they're starting to cheat their fullbacks up a little bit too high so you bring in fresh legs to kind of stretch that back line and uh, keep them a little bit more honest going forward when they're trying to chase a game. Uh, I don't. I don't have any memorable moments. I, I think the most memorable moment would be again him just crushing that shot off of the post when he had a wide open goal for a tap in. Let's move on to his cousin Adrian Perez, ML, uh, not MLS Perez, uh, Arena Soccer Perez, as I sometimes refer to him. Again, he's another one that I have as incomplete, just because I I feel like we haven't seen enough of him to make any sort of conclusion other than he's not seeing the field and that's probably for a reason do yeah. you have anything to add on adrian perez i mean he's played he's come in at at times have you know at striker to you know me you know, i think believe it was the first time I, he played a fair amount was um against new york right and you figured you know maybe because he's used to playing in a band box you know in in arena soccer that he'd be used to playing in something similar in new york but right. again, just you know, like there are a lot of times the runs aren't there, his positioning was off, and again, I just don't think he seems to be a guy that's been able to fig- quite figure out what his role in what his role is within Bob's system. And again, it yeah. seems to be a common theme with guys that don't quite cut it, you know. But at the same time, you know, there's a that that demand that Bob places on guys, right, has has allowed you know, a fair amount of our players to now ascend to levels that I'm not sure any of us thought were possible. So, you know, again, jury's still out. We'll see if, the, you know, a year later he looks any different. But, you know, at this point, like you yeah. said, and I don't really think we can really go much beyond that. Right. One thing that I want to add on that, I think you touched on something really good there, and this is more of a general note on building a resilient LAFC squad, is I think over time, assuming that Bob Bradley stays for at least, you know, two, three, four more years, he and John Thorrington are going to, are going to be able to identify people who are going to excel uh, like a Mark, a Mark Anthony K who we'll talk about a little bit later, or Latif blessing. I think they'll be better able to scout for the qualities that they need. Whereas right now I feel like, like you said, sometimes we're just seeing guys, well, you know, he kind of plays, he's kind of got this in his game like a Josh Perez type, you know, and it just ends up not working. Um, so I do look forward to that in the future, seeing them being able to bring in more contributions from some of these uh, smaller signings. All right, that should finish up all of our forwards. Let's move on to our midfield. 
First up, we have Eduard Atuesta. I have him here at an 8.5. What do you think, Josh? Yeah, I mean, he, to me, he's the second most important player behind Carlos Vela, right? So, you know, I, I, I could go up a little bit higher, maybe even to a 9, just because of the way he's played. Um, and I think he's the one that's most likely to make the adjustments that Bob needs when the time comes um, yesterday and still be able to impact the game. And I think yesterday was one of those things where when it seemed that New England was starting to kind of get out there and make make some counterattacking runs, he was the one that kind of settled things down. Sit, you know, he sat a little bit deeper than he normally would, and just kind of snuffed out fires, right? And so I think he's a guy that's tactically flexible. He's been able to bring it both on the offensive and defensive end throughout the season. And so, yeah, I mean, like I said, and I don't think any of us saw his ability to pass, you know, at all last year. Right. And, and you, I knew, I, you know, I think we figured there was going to be some promise there given he started, you know, he was starting out of nowhere, you know, like no one had really heard of him. And all of a sudden now he's our starting defensive midfielder. But, um, you know, at the same time, I'm not sure any of us expected this, this jump. Again, we'll kind of see what it means going forward, where he slots in, where he, you know, what, what he ultimately becomes. But again, at this point, I think like to me, he's the second most important player on the team. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more there. I, I don't know that there's anybody else on this team that contributes uh, more than Atuesta, but less than Vela. He, his ability to both hit long diagonals, uh, break lines with his passing, his ability on the ball to buy time and kind of uh, what might be a little bit Sergio Busquets uh, esque. Um, he's just, he's, he's a joy to watch. I love watching him pick up the ball, spin away from defenders and find the right pass. And he's one of the most consistent guys on the team in doing so. Um, so I, I definitely don't disagree that he could be a nine. Um, and I don't, he'd be the one guy that I wouldn't be surprised if we, it, you know, makes a big move in the off season and it hurts to say that, but uh, behind Diego Rossi, I, I, I think he might be next out the door. Um, and then that would, that would be yeah. a large hole to fill, but. Yeah. I think, I think we're fortunate that around the world, right. Center midfield is probably the deepest position. Mm -hmm. I would say mm -hmm. out there, like with center back being the least deep, you know, which is probably why you were starting to see, talks about guys like Aaron Long and even Walker Zimmerman last year, you know, had Aaron been Long, had been rumored. Million. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, obviously but I mean, considering Harry Maguire just went for what, a hundred million dollars essentially. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, you know, there's there's certain there's certain positions that are just deeper than others. And central midfield, I think, because of you know, because of the shine that you get and, you know, the money that you can make. I think it's one that that's a lot deeper throughout around the world. And so I think that's one thing that could work in our favor. It's just, it's really hard to break into a top tier side at that position. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I think we may see things in step maybe, you know, if that he becomes, you know, maybe they make him that, that person that becomes our third DP or something along that line um, over the course of time, you know, that would be my assumption so, is that, yes, you, uh, you bring in Rodriguez. He's sort of uh, an early replacement for Diego Rossi. And then you bring in a central midfielder who replaces Atuesta or maybe Mark Anthony Kane. He would be your third DP starting off the next year. 
Yeah. So, uh, moment for me, I think it was against Seattle. He has the goal where he picks up the ball, he beats a couple defenders on the dribble, and then just fires in a rocket. I think it's Seattle. I'm not sure. If yeah. I'm remembering that correctly though. Yeah, that was the one where he he dropped the. Uh... Or what's his name went to ground? Roman Torres. Roman Torres, yes. And, and then he and apparently then he did not take goal. enough performance enhancing drugs that week. Um nope. <laughs> and just couldn't hang with him. Okay. Let's move on to our next one. Mark Anthony K. I have him at an eight. Josh, what do you think? Yeah, I mean he's another guy that's made an incredible jump from one year to the next. Um last year it seemed like he was gonna be and I don't I don't think we quite quite knew exactly what he was but has slowly turned into probably one of the top box-to-box midfielders, you know, in Major League Soccer. And, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. You know, I think it, I don't think we saw his passing. He's dropped off a little bit over the last few games. Um, again, whether that's an issue of fatigue or health, we're not. I'm not quite sure. But, again, he just hasn't been quite sharp as of late, right? So, you know, I think, Eight, you know, an eight is probably good. Maybe a seven point seven five, just again for form over the last few weeks. Um, but again, that's to grade him up pretty, you know, pretty harshly. But at the same time, again, he's been critical to our success. It can't be said enough how how important he's been to the overall our overall play. And I think to a certain degree, you know, his his physical attributes are one of those things where we're going to need uh, from him. And also his his emotional from an emotional standpoint as well in terms of his him being that that f- one of the first guys that's willing to m- kind of mix it up, um, you know it will go a long way in terms of our success in the long run. Right, he's certainly one of our enforcers. I think he and Dio definitely are the first ones to step up when somebody gets a hard challenge. Um, I think my moment for him this year again don't remember the game, but his absolute screamer of a shot from outside the box. I think it was nominated for goal of the week in all of MLS. Um, and I think if if I had to guess at what his, you know, recent struggles, I, I, I don't know if struggles is the right word. That's probably a little bit harsh, but it's probably just coming back from the gold cup um, where he's not seeing a whole lot of regular minutes in the midfield. They have him at left back sometimes. So I think it's probably just more of a factor of getting back into the flow of things. All right, let's move around in the midfield a little bit more. Latif Blessing. I have him at a seven. I think I'm grading on a little bit of a curve there based on his versatility and what he means to the team as kind of a, a, like the heart of the team or the soul of the team. Josh, what do you think about Latif Blessing? Yeah, I mean, I, don't, I think the only, you know, like I said, the finishing product is probably the only thing you can really criticize him for, right? He's become a midfield destroyer. He's become a guy that has, you know, has basically allowed the press to work in the, you know, that midfield press to really flourish this season, you know, again, it has it held back a little bit, some of the flow from the offense potentially, but at the same time that I think that's more of an issue of our forward line and how they haven't been able to finish less than we need the midfield to score because we've seen around the world front threes that can really just carry the load, um, you know, throughout the season, whether that be at Barcelona or Liverpool or, you know, we don't all you don't necessarily always have to have, you know, those midfielders that are gonna come crashing in and score, you know, ten goals a piece each. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, or or whatever. But again, he, I think he, you're right that he's 
he's been the heart and soul of the team in terms of, you know, from, you know, from a, he's the guy that's probably going to lift your spirits up regardless of the situation, you know, and so I was happy to see him resign, you know, with the team and we'll kind of see, you know, what, what the rest of the, you know, what his role continues to be going forward, you know, and how, or how they trend, you know, as he gets older, how do they, how do they transition him? How do they continue to develop him? Because again, we forget that he's 24 years old. Right. Right. I do. I, I love his role as this kind of inverted uh, number six, where he just wreaks havoc in the opponent's own defensive third with his, with his pressing ability and his pace. Um, like you said, I think the only time he's really a major liability in the offense is when they're putting seven, eight, nine players behind the ball. And we're trying to break down an opponent and his final pass just isn't quite there. Or, you know, he's, he's not the guy that's going to pull up from outside the box and, uncork a shot um so i think that's really the only limitation um and we are definitely happy to have him uh let's move on i moment of the season honestly was probably last night for me um him buying time right inside the six uh juking one defender and then the goalie and just kind of slotting it away with his left foot it was a great great play let's move on to lee win who is kind of uh the guy that's been pushed out by Latif Blessing a little bit. I have him at a seven. Josh, what do you think? Uh, yeah, I, I mean, that's probably about right, you know, given, you know, he does, he is a little bit of a liability. I mean, he, I don't want to say liability, but he's definitely not able to press in the same, you know, manner that Latif is. But I think if you look at Major League Soccer and the way that a lot of teams like to play when they're just, you know, how how effective can you really be in high press when 75% of the teams, especially as you head into the playoffs, are just kind of bunkering and counter, right? That's why New York has struggled, you know, a lot in the playoffs, you know, and, and in bigger competitions um, over the last few years, regardless of how well they've done in the regular season. And so you you need a guy like Lee Wynn, who's, you know, outside of Carlos Velez, probably the only other guy who can unlock, you know, a park bus, right? Like, he, right. I'm not right. sure there's anyone else on the team that you're gonna say, okay, when when teams are just gonna bunker in and do those things, who do you who do you expect to make that perfect pass or that final ball to really lead and open things up? And he's probably the only guy at this point. Right. And I mean he definitely is the guy. And all those things that we talked about with Latif missing, he he offers them. Um and again, he is a little bit older. He's never been much of a press, he's much more of a traditional number ten where, you know, he's not going to be involved in the defense as much. But his ability on the ball, his vision, his shooting ability um, just offers so much more in terms of offensive output. And uh, my moment of the season would be the nutmeg that he had against, uh, I don't remember who the back was for Atlanta, but a lot of these moments where I'm, I'm actually at the game and I get to, uh, react with the rest of the crowd. Um, anything else on Lee Wynn, Josh? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm pretty much said, you know, in terms of his ability to just break things down. But, you know, okay. like I said, seeing him do it against Houston when I was there on the field, you know, was, was interesting too. Because you, know, you just see he's he's just seemingly always in control. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. So our next three, I have Peter Lee Vassell, Alejandro Guido, and Javi Perez. Now, Vassal was our 
top draft pick this year, maybe our only draft pick. Alejandro Guido has been out with a quad strain. If you believe he's a real person, he's been out with a quad strain <laughs> seemingly all year. And then Javi Perez tragically tore his ACL uh, early on in the season. We really haven't seen anything from him. So I gave all those guys incompletes. Josh, do you have anything to add to those three? No, I mean, Vassal's shown some glimpses of glimpses of, you know, his potential when he, I believe it was at Vancouver where he gets into good spaces, mm-hmm. you know, as a guy who can push forward from the midfield. But again, I think he's, he probably still needs, you know, another year of seasoning and training with the team. Right. Uh, our last midfielder here, Josh, I have Andre Horta. I gave him a five uh, that may be a little bit too high. It just seemed like about as low as you could go. Um, again, he's already been sold on. Looks to be the club's worst signing. Uh, I believe he's our highest paid transfer and uh, didn't really do much other than cost us a win against Galaxy last year. He, uh, We still own, I think, 50% of his rights, so we'd love to see him, you know, make good on, on his move back to Portugal and eventually get sold on so we can recoup some of those losses. Do you have anything to add on Horta? No. I mean, like I said, at this point, it's out of sight, out of mind. Yeah. If you have any other questions, go back and watch uh, We Are LAFC on ESPN Plus, and you'll see. You'll see. All right. Moving back to the defense now, Walker Zimmerman. I have, an, I have him at an 8.5. I think he's an early candidate for Defender of the Year in MLS. Josh, what do you say about Walker? Yeah. I mean, again, his his ability to kind of marshal the backfield, no one to get forward, no one to come back. You know, it's rare that you kind of see him get beat. Um, you know, again, it helps that he's developed such a good partnership with Eddie Segura, who's a guy that we'll talk about later. Um, you know, again, it's 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 just one of those things where you you need a guy who's who's going to be that ferocious leader at the back, and he's definitely stepped up into that role that, you know, Saman vacated last year. Yeah, I mean, I, I was admittedly worried about uh, our center backs coming into this year because I wasn't sure what Zimmerman was going to be uh, up to. And he's been a pleasant surprise. I think he's played plenty well. He's added, I think, five goals now. I'd have to double check on that, uh, including a game winner against Salt Lake, which would be my moment of the year for him. Yeah, He's one goal this year, but he had four last year. So one? Man, I'm yeah. really confused then. One goal and then four. Okay, well, five total. But anyway, um, yeah, I guess for a while last year he was really making a lot of money on those on those corner kicks. Um, so Walker Zimmerman at an eight point five. Now let's move on to his partner uh, on the back line, Eddie Segura. I have him at an eight. Josh, what yeah. about Eddie? I mean, I think had it not been for you know, a couple of moments over the last few weeks, we could probably grade him even higher, right? But there's still a few, you know, whether it's a couple, the whether it was the own goal or just kind of the issues he had um, with Zlatan in, in, in the Carson game. Mm-hmm. Again, you you know, like I said, he's he's been rock steady throughout the whole year. He's been one of the few guys that's played the majority. I think he's played the most games out of almost any player. Um, I think so. You know, or if, or if, or if not close. He hadn't even been subbed out until two or three games ago. Yeah, and and so again, it's just one of those things where, you know, again, he's a a pleasant surprise and a guy that I think, you know, now has be, has formed, you know, the probably the 
the most stout center back pairing in, in, you know, in, in MLS at this point, um, yeah. at least by the numbers. And so again, we'll kind of see, you know, they can, they can continue to, they still can continue to develop, you know, obviously there's positioning things and some of those things I can't, maybe it's set pieces, you know, maybe there's a little left to be desired, but again, it's, it's hard to art, you know, to complain too much when you've gotten the production we've got so far. Right. Again, this center back pairing has us as the number one defense in MLS at the moment. Um, so you can't really complain all that much. All right, let's move out to the right-hand side with Steven Betashore. I have him at a six. I think that has a lot to do with his availability more than anything. What do you think, Josh? Yeah, I mean, when he plays, he's, you know, he's a he's a professional defender, right, and is, you know, one of the better, you know, and is one of the leaders on the team. I think he's the second captain after after Carlos. Um, again, a guy that he, he generally knows where to be, when to be, um, you know, will get beat every now and then and you know he's not he's not the youngest guy in the world either you know but at the same time you know he's he's that guy who just knows where to be and when to be when the time comes and so you know it's hard to you know grade him too harshly you know and i think like i said it's other than the times he's been hurt you know i think through the early part of the season any game that we had dropped the points were ones that he didn't play so you know he definitely was a big part it had it not been for the arrival of Blackman, you know, I think, you know, we'd probably be thinking a lot more of him at this point. Yeah, absolutely. All right, swing it over to the left side with Jordan Harvey. I have him at a 7.5. Some people may disagree and say that's a little bit high, but I think he's had solid performances all year. Um, I think he's got five assists. Um, and anytime he does make kind of a, one of those bonehead mistakes or bad giveaways, He's always the one charging back to, to make the stop. What do you say about Jordan Harvey? Yeah, again, like Beta Short, you know, I think both of our fullbacks. It's it's a matter of they're they're veterans in the league. They know what their role is, right? So, and they're guys that never think or feel like they need more than what they're already doing. And so, again, you know, with with Harvey, it's a you know some of the things that we've seen are a matter of age, but at the same time, again, I don't think we can argue with his the effort that he you know that he brings and and some of those things as well. And, and, and the fact that he's been able to get involved on the offense at all at this point in his career is is nice as well. Mm-hmm. I think uh, my moment of the year for him would have been that last-minute save against Atlanta where, you know, he gets save of the, save of the match and uh, keeps three points on the board for us. All right, let's talk about his replacement, um, who is now out, Mohamed El-Munir who we traded uh, we traded away, wow, uh, Joao Matinho. And came from Orlando this year. I have him at a six. What do you think, Josh? Yeah, I mean, obviously, I think he, you know, he was always known as a guy, um, you know, so far in his, in his time in the league as a guy who knew how to get forward, you know, more of a wing back than anything like that. But, you know, put in the work, you know, has put in the work in training, and you can obviously see the defense starting to come along. You know, the moment that kind of sticks out is that the goal line save at Houston, you know, um, you know, especially like I said, you know, we did see that goal that he had a few games before that. But at the same time, the Houston one was the one you're like, OK, he's bought in right. And right when he's starting to heat up, unfortunately, he got hurt. So, again, he's a guy that I'm, you know, like we're excited to see what he can bring, you know, especially with Harvey likely coming towards the end of his career. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, quick medical note. Have you heard anything else on 
him at all or no i mean the expectation is about a four to six week recovery um again depends on what they're willing to let him what they're willing to let him play with i think at four weeks he should be able to wear a mask and resume training but again it's up to the training staff at that point okay okay now the backup right back who i think is probably one of the greatest revelations all season tristan blackman i have him at eight um because I am all in on this kid. What do you think about him? Yeah, I think the, I think the one question is where does he where is his best position, right? We've seen him at, in at center back, which is I think what Bob ultimately wanted from him. But also he's been able to play right back really well this year. So I, I think again that'll be one of the questions I think that'll be, need to be answered over the next few you know over the next year or so is what what where does he ultimately slot in? Like, and do we really see him usurping? Segura or or Walker, probably not. You know, but again, he has those skills, which again, but does bump his value up, and I think, like I said, definitely belongs uh, with a higher rating. Right. I I mean, his little peinado flick uh, goal off a corner was beautiful. I love the way that he intercepts balls that he has no business getting to in the middle of the field and jump starting an attack. Uh, I feel like, especially when he's playing right back, his defense has been plenty solid. And uh, again, his versatility to to fill in as a center back if needed. And I, I do agree, it will be interesting to see what he ends up um, playing in the long run. Yeah, it says something that Bob was willing to play him in the in the Carson game. So, you know, I said mm-hmm. I think they definitely think highly of him. It's just a matter of, you know, again where what how things play out with with Beta. And then, and then also maybe with with Walker, if, you know, the offers come in. Right, right. Uh, two more defenders that I kind of feel like we haven't seen enough of would be Jakovic and Silva, uh, both incompletes here, just because I feel like I haven't seen enough of them this year. I do feel like Jakovic has improved. Yeah, um, he's filled in ab- admirably, I think, over the Open Cup run. But again, it's not like we're asking that much of him, and he did have a kind of a weird moment where him and Cisniego got caught up in, you know, in the, in, I believe it was the Vancouver game where they got kind of caught in no man's land. But again, otherwise, other than that, it was, has been solid throughout the year. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, Silva, we'll, we'll see. I, I mean, I think he's been solid when he comes in. Distribution is fair. So incomplete for now. We'll see if anything else changes this year. And then to the current controversy, Tyler Miller versus Pablo Cisniega. Uh, I have both of them at eight here because I think they've both done good jobs. Um, and I think after Miller's performance last night, he's probably going to hold on to the job, especially with Cisniega out with an injury. Josh, do you have anything on these guys? Yeah, I mean, I think I think based on what we've seen, the the long-term play is probably for Cisniega to eventually be the, be the man back there. And it looked like he was heading in that direction. You know, but at the same time, again, they're, there's still things that needs to work on in terms of his, you know, his ability to marshal and communicate with the defense and those types of things. But I think, like I said, we saw enough flashes in terms of his stop shot stopping and his distribution and his ability to play the ball from the back, you know, where I think it maybe came a lot faster than it did for Miller last year, who took about a year to get to this point, whereas mm-hmm. it's taken him, you know, maybe half a season. And so, you know, again, upside is definitely on Cisniega's in Cisniega's favor, favor, but then at the same time, you know, Miller, you know, at this point, and just because of the continuity, I think will, you know, probably deserves to keep his job at this point. Right, right. Long term, I think uh, 
and by long term, I mean you know towards the end of the season and into the winter transfer window. I wouldn't be surprised to see the team move Miller um, for some, you know, a a smaller deal because of how Pablo's played. And I think with more time, like you said, he's only going to get better. And again, I really like his, his shot stopping ability as well. And especially his distribution. I think having Cisniega back there really helps our chances of playing out of the back. Um, So It'll be interesting to see what the team eventually does with Miller. Um, Josh, do you have anything else to add on the team? Maybe we should talk about Bob real fast. What do you, what do you, what would you give him in terms of a of a rating? Bob will always get a twenty out of ten for me because he is my spirit animal. No, I mean again, he's a guy that you know just has a way of, you know, he's been able to, to imprint his way of playing, you know, and style of play on the team. He's a guy that's gotten guys who you know, we didn't know very much of and to be able to develop them to all-star caliber, all-star caliber, if not better than that players. And so, again, it's hard to argue with some of the moves that he's done. And, you know, again, I know some people will be critical of certain things, maybe substitution patterns or some of these things, but I think there's there's an, there's an ultimately a master plan behind he, behind what he's doing. And I think it's nice to see him kind of fully get to, you know, see his 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 version of operatic football come to life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think even, well, if you would have asked somebody two years ago before, you know, before the first Seattle game, if it would work playing this style of football. Um, and if Bob Bradley could get a team to do that, everybody would have laughed at you. And rightly so, as we've talked about, he was this kind of counterattacking attacking uh, Kafir and, then, you know, he, he comes to MLS and he has a vision for what he wants to do. And now he's about to break every record in MLS. So can't really fault the guy for much. And uh, hopefully he continues on his winning ways for years to come. Um, Josh, if there's nothing else, then we'll go ahead and sign off here. Do you have anything else to add here? Nope. Good to go. All right. You can follow the show at counterpress underscore on Twitter. You can follow me at Kirk Kinsey. Josh, where can we find you? LAFC Josh or over at Angels on Parade, writing about injuries, and then Dolly Black and Gold doing our scouting report. All right. You can also email the show with any questions or comments, and that is thecounterpressshow at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you, and we will talk to you in a few days regarding our deep